Today on Empowering Workplaces, we are talking about a better way to think about prioritization with Dr. Dina Kara Schaefer, author of the best-selling book, Feel Good Learning and owner of Awakened Learning. Join us. Welcome to Empowering Workplaces, a show for everyone who wants to make work better and more fulfilling. We are your hosts, culture designer Maddie Grant and organizational psychologist Sonia Lucina. Join us in today's awesome conversation. Hi. Hi, Dina. Thank you so much for joining us today. So just to kick us off, um, please tell us a little bit uh, about your background, you know, who you are, and prioritization, you know, why this topic? <laughs> Ooh, the starting place for me, uh, before me, is actually both of you. Oh, my goodness, my heartfelt thanks, Maddie, Sonia, to do this, to be in friend conversation already is such a gift. So thank you, thank you for having me on. Um, like even the back uh, prep chat is the most fun and joy. So um, <laughs> I'm super excited to be here and talk about this. This is the kind of stuff I maximum love. So I am a learning strategist vocationally and all of the facets of the things that I do in the different forms. That's what I am. It's at the heart of all of it. So what that means, and I'm aware that those two words together are possibly the most boring words, <laughs> but... Uh, if we can offer many, many ways of learning so that any learner, whether they're in the professional world or they are formerly a student, mm -hmm. um, can have a little bit more ease, a little bit more spaciousness, a little less shame, a little more compassion, a little bit more success, however they define it, then it really changes what happens next. So I'm absolutely in love with learning strategies. And it's informed, sure, by like, learning science, cog sci, but I'm interested in how it gets enacted and how it gets picked up, picked up for parents, picked up for professionals, picked up by entire organizations. And so how I got to do that was I started out as a high school teacher and I, uh, I got into the high school classroom because I didn't get into law school. And I didn't get into law school because I think I had the brain for it, but not for the test that was the gatekeeper as to whether or not and the reason I got into Teachers College was because the sea of ones I applied to all said no, except for one that was based on a conversation. And then they saw in me something very earnest and heartfelt, a desire to try and swim and do something, uh, something helpful, something in service. And I had held back from education and teaching because I'm not very extroverted. Like the performative piece really scared me. Um, I was nervous about what grade 11s and grade 12s, what kind of like sarcasm and energy would be in that space. But it taught me everything because I didn't care so much when I would be teaching English or philosophy about the history of that book. Maybe I should have cared more. But what I cared a lot about was how that human in front of me, how I could get them more access into this book as any book how I could teach them to be in relationship with me as a teacher, as any teacher that they might encounter. And that was the start of it for me. And so then it just took different shapes. So I was a learning specialist on a, a university campus here in Toronto, where I'm located exclusively for students with disabilities. Um, I've been a director uh, in a faculty supporting staff teams doing that. And I am adjunct faculty, so I get to teach this for credit. 
And then I have my own business, Awaken Learning, where I try to do this work of academic resilience and coaching both for students and parents. It's the stuff I love. Well, and you have a new book, which we should mention. <laughs> Thank you. That's so kind. You know, that book came about um, because that's my research. It's my doctorate. I love, love, love making a difference in how people learn. So whether it's procrastination or whether it's remembering stuff or whether it's reading stuff and it feels really super hard to focus and remember, um, I wrote that book and it took a couple of years and I would hear from agents and publishers, oh, Dina, that's, oh my good, like pandemic learning gaps, uh, justice and learning, equitable learning. You're the right person to do this right topic at the right time, but you don't have enough Instagram followers. Oh, uh, well, that was like a big gut punch, right? So I got off my bougie high horse and I published it myself. So when kind humans like you, Maddie, are like, there's a good book out there. Yeah. So feel good learning on how to prioritize, focus, study and learn everything better. And it's meant to be useful to learners of any age and stage and educators and parents for all the ways of learning neurodivergence, injury, international students, all welcome. And the cool pieces, all those agents and publishers who are like, no, you don't have a big enough profile, is I got a publishing contract for next September. So I'll be writing a second book, fingers and toes crossed, somehow between now and then. And it will be amazing <laughs> well learners. So how to really speak to parents around filling in those pandemic learning gaps. Amazing. Amazing. Everybody go buy the book. <laughs> um, so we are definitely going to dig way deep into this topic of prioritization and, you know, obviously want to hear more about the specifics of how we're defining that or maybe not defining that properly. Right. But as always, before we do that, let's talk a little bit about our data points. Sonia. Yes. And they were so fascinating um, because I, as we, you know, shared in our in our prep chat, I love this topic and it's a huge area for me to learn. So Dina, when when you were talking, I figured like we were just like, oh, I can't wait to to just take it all in, all of the advice you have. So thank you so much for for your passion in this area. And I'm I'm guessing that there are many, many people out there who are feeling quite similar. Um so when we went out and we asked through our Question Pro platform, we asked about 300 um, people across the United States, two questions. One was, do you struggle to prioritize? And 22% said yes, often. 41% said yes, sometimes. And then we saw a drop with 16% said, not usually, 19% not at all, and only 2% saying not sure. So I felt really seen on this one because <laughs> I thought I'm not alone. I have this struggle so often and I feel like by now I have quite a bit of experience and maybe you know enough education to know better, yet it's something that I continue to find myself really you know thinking about and, and struggling with. And then I'll read our other um, data point and then Dean, I'd love your, your take on both of them. So the, the follow-up question to saying, hey, you know, do you struggle and with so many people saying yes? The next question was, well, you know, did anyone ever teach you how to prioritize? And 48% of people said yes. 21% um, of people said they're self-taught. Nobody 
you know, necessarily taught them how to prioritize. 22% said no. Um, and 9% said, you know, I'm not really sure. Like maybe, you know, what does it mean? How, what would it look like for somebody to teach me? So Dina, based on all of your research and conversations and, and, and just being such a subject matter expert in this area, when you saw this data, what did you think? <laughs> what jumped out at you? Well, like you, that sense of being less alone, prioritization is really hard. Prioritization is about what's important. And that seems like, oh, that's straightforward, but it's actually so messy and layered and can make us feel really bad or stuck. So 63% of the folks who were polled said yes to some extent, right? Either all the way or yeah, sometimes it's hard. It's a struggle. Mm -hmm. So it's affirming in that way that this kind of conversation is useful. Something that is taken for granted, that is assumed, like we're supposed to pick it up through osmosis, that we're just supposed to like arrive at a workplace knowing and being skillful actually is uh, wobbly, full of question marks and full of of difficulties. So I think part of why it can be so hard is one, it's left undefined. It's a word that feels generic. It's a word that's often scolded to us when we're young. You just have to learn how to prioritize. Don't you know, don't you, what are your priorities? Get your priorities. <laughs> like context yeah. encounter that word, that languaging is it's heavy. Um, it's sharp and it's not defined then from the get. So then we're just supposed to somehow pick it up often by not doing it right. Yeah. Okay. So what does it mean? It means the ordering of things, right? How do we think about and approach the ordering of all the things we have to do? And what's, what's architecture underneath? What undergirds the, the plan of the day, the plan of the month? There are many systems but the systems usually fall into two main camps. One of them has to do with urgency. Okay, mm -hmm. so in this moment in time, does it feel familiar to anyone? Like you do things in the order that it's due. You do it in order of when the deadline is. Like how pressing is this thing? Then that that trumps everything else. Uh, okay, we'll hold that for a moment. <laughs> way that's often given to us of how to do that ordering, how to do that architecture is importance. Okay. That's not so simple. Important to whom? Important. Can it, can, can I do it first if it's important to me, even though it's not important to my workplace? Like, does it count? What counts as important? Whose importance are we talking about? So if we have a, a matrix that is measuring and guiding us towards the order of our work that's based on urgent, so like how, how breathless am I? How frenzied am I? How nervous, stressed, anxious, overwhelmed am I? That's what comes first. And then the other kind of, the other variable um, is around value, that importance aspect. Yeah. It leaves a lot of question marks. And I really want to pick at those. I really want to. I really want to um, disrupt some of that, or like get into the weeds of that, because I think that there are many other ways of uncovering and ordering and inviting people to think about their what's important, even if um, it's not yet so valued um, in the larger spaces or communities that they're in. 
So I think part of the conundrum is what is what's important and what yeah. gets count as that. Yeah. I that resonates so much with me. And I was as you were talking, I was writing those things down. And so recently I've been talking a lot about values and I've been working doing exercises of redefining mine to understand exactly like what do I prioritize and how does that align with what I value as a person and as a professional? Like it's just one blend. Um, and then that urgency, there were so many things that were going through your through my mind when you were saying that. I think one is that sometimes I feel like life is this big game of logic because you can prioritize and you can understand what you value, but then circumstances around you change or you get new information or something new comes up, like a new project at work or your child doesn't feel well. And all of a sudden you were going to do one thing, but now it's like, well, wait a minute, yeah. this is urgent and important. And it didn't create space for this. So like, what do I deprioritize when I, when do I get to something? And to me, there are also like, you know, thinking work and personal, there's some big things that I'd love to do and some big things like that really align with my values. And, you know, we were chatting about writing books. And to me, the only book I've ever written in my life was my dissertation. And it was blood, sweat and tears. Um, I love telling stories. I love sharing knowledge with people, but sitting down and writing something that's such a huge project is something I feel like would be so fulfilling and such a big thing, but it doesn't have a deadline on it, right? It's something nice that I'd like to do when I think I'll have all that time, when I think things will open up. Even articles or smaller things that are more manageable that I write, like Gia, our, our producer um, for the podcast, she's also on my marketing team and, and Question Pro, and we're always talking, okay, who writes a blog post? Who writes a Forbes article? Which one's more important? Like. It, it, it is this constant game of logic. And to your point, I think sometimes mm -hmm. urgency is tricky because when something's urgent, it drives us to do things that maybe are not as meaningful. But then when we don't put deadlines on some things that are really important, they can so easily slip away. Like I was we thinking one thing that I'm right. Exactly. <laughs> like one thing that I'm always like more in the personal end, because I do think that there's, you know, obviously the big blend between both is I adore my son and he is objectively like the most important human in my life. And there are some things that, you know, I'd like him to learn how to swim. I'd like him to learn how to ride a bike, but there's no deadline for it. Right. Like, I don't know, oh, by this age, like he really should, you know, quote unquote, and who says that. And so I find myself oftentimes actually feeling guilty because I'm not spending some things on mm -hmm. his development that I do think are important, but time kind of just slips by because you don't think, well, you know, by the time Mateo is six years old, I want him to swim really well. And I want him to ride a bike without like training. But like, I don't think like that. And so my prioritization, sometimes what it leaves me is like feeling a little bit unorganized and guilty, like how terrible. <laughs> Maybe I should just put a due date on it. I don't know, Dina, help. What do you think? <laughs> what are your, some of your tips in these areas? <laughs> I love your question. Uh, I love your question because it's not the case that to reconsider or reapproach priorities means to ditch deadlines. You're mm -hmm. so right. Having constraints, having any kind of, um, you know, demarcation line, <laughs> even if it's self-determined, helps energize what comes before. 
there's enough research out there about creativity. And it's not just like that open-ended when the muse strikes, when the muse like knocks on our door, like that's when the book gets written. I mean, that's why there's things like uh, NaNoWriMo, National um, Novel Writing Month, right? If you were to write 2,000 words a day or 1,800 words a day, you'd have a novel length work by the end of November. I mean, there's so many ways to, to think about approaching work in smaller bits. So I guess my question or what conversations around prioritization allow me to ask is why can't those other things that are meaningful to you, like a child's swimming lessons, be integrated into each and every or some of your days? We mm. think it's like, well, once I get through this, then, or mm. after I finish this, then I can. But how many of us have to experience being in or nearing burnout mm -hmm. or existing in a state of overwhelm all the time or going like, what I really want to do is fill in the blank. But it's not that like, it's not that we have to leave our current job or give up all the things, the minutia of our days, the domestic, the professional obligations, like only once that's out of the way, then we get to write the book or then we get to do swimming lessons with our kid. What would happen if we broadened or shifted our understanding of prioritization to allow chipping away at those things too, so that they're actually part of a normal day? No. Yeah. yeah I, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, we were we both said we yeah, were saying no, that same thing. <laughs> I was just gonna say what's popping into my head um, related to. Um, my perspective in terms of, you know, workplace culture um, is one of the things we think about a lot in our work, my partner and I, is the idea of competing commitments. So you have, you know, cultural core values, for example, and they're really important and they drive, if you're doing it well, they drive, you know, the activities, some activities in your company or organization. But some things, some other things that might actually be equally as important can get left behind in a way. And which is just, it just seems like a very similar thing to what you're saying is that these competing commitments are actually equally valid, but there's no space for even talking about what they are necessarily or, you know, naming them. Like, is that kind of part of the issue, do you think? I think so. And I also think it's time for a new model, like new model, new languaging. So I think it's in, we move away from that black and white. We move away from either or we move into language of alongside and to normalize. And that's a really tough spot to be in when two things feel equally important. Right. And that there is no metric that's actually going to get us through there. So what do we turn to? What can we actually use to get us out of that? So I'm done with the 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 like good old um, urgent important Eisenhower uh, matrix. The matrix. <laughs> I'm done with. I'm, and I it's not that it doesn't have a place, but if it's leaving you uh, with the other list of like loves, loves or hopes that are never getting tended to, then like that's a bit empty for me, hmm. because urgent is one variable and 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 you know that value but it's seldom value to self it's usually value to to another um those are allowed but what about meaning right what about meaning what about health what about any kind of humane fullness of life so i'm trying to i'm working i'm like 
first draft, let me see how you feel about this, is instead of that matrix is a wheel. So I'm really thinking about all that I'm learning through decolonization, through relationship as first principle of that shape of something that is not so delineated, but actually much more spacious, expansive. And so in this wheel that I'm proposing, priority wheel, we would have in no particular order that you could move between, but what if in a day or in a morning, we did something that sure we had to do. Something we had to do, we had to, we had to move forward towards this you know, big project. We had to get our boss, our team, our colleague, this thing that we promised. We had to honor some commitment. And then there was also something that we should do. So I really should, I, I really should start chipping away at the second book because that March 31st deadline is going to come. <laughs> and even though it's not here now, and I don't have to do it today, I should, whether I want to or not, ultimately I want to, but maybe not in this moment, if I just did a portion of it. But then what if I also included in the same morning something that felt good? So not necessarily even asking, do I want to? Am I in the mood? I know right now, so I live, you know, live in a quite northern climate. Right now it is gorgeous, golden, sunny, vitamin D streaming. It would feel good, whether I want to or not, to go outside for a 20-minute walk around a couple blocks. I'm not going to ask myself want. I'm going to do it because it's going to contribute to feeling good. And then what if I also included in this priority wheel something I want to do? like full permission want. I want to, I don't know, uh, look, so it's Canadian Thanksgiving soon. I want to look at what I'm going to serve. We're having a potluck. I kind of want to do that. I want to like figure out what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. Or I want to play with my dog. She's kind of ridiculous and kind of wonderful both. <laughs> but then what about another thing, which is like the dreamy delicious scene. So Sonia, to your point, that like wanting to write a book that isn't blood, sweat and tears dissertation, but the book that's like, ooh, the soul project. Yeah. So what if I also got to chip away at that? Or maybe it's like a, you know, my little Etsy site on crafting, or maybe it's, I want to, uh, I want to start a full, beautiful, gorgeous blog, whatever the want is unapologetically, unabashedly. I want to, I want to do something of that. I want to touch that today. And so what if we didn't, there was no linear order, but as long as we did one of those five, and then we, and then once we did each of those fives, we did it again, but maybe in a different order. So there was, we were moving through the day, not just based on like, I done all of the urgent things first. What energy am I going to have left for anything else? If I do yeah. urgent things, right? What, what sense of purpose am I going to have if I only do things that are important to other people? I mean, that I'm like that talk about a recipe for resentment, right? When I've overextended, I've done all the things for all the other humans, but there's none of me in my day. How does that set myself up for tomorrow or next week? If I've just used it all up, I've used it, I, mm -hmm. I've conserved any energy. Yeah. So instead of just things that are due soon and just things that are of high value to other humans, what if I moved about the day between activities in a different kind of ordering a different way of thinking so that all the parts of myself are honored and we didn't have to even think about it like mind body heart spirit those are beautiful that's a really nice model except those aren't really necessarily always separate from each other like no, what if right. things 
also a body thing or what if a body thing is also a mind thing so instead i thought about it just in like a different kind of way stuff we have to do stuff we should do stuff that feels good to do not based on want but something also that we want to do and then something that's part of our like larger dreaminess yeah. but i don't know that's my draft what do you think it's like throwing throwing a spaghetti against the wall how did that land? so i i mean i think to me it is really beautiful and i think it sets somebody's mind to that like you were talking about it and I felt good. Like I felt lighter. I felt happy. I felt like, wow, that's what a great way to structure the day and what a great way to think about it. And then where my mind went is like, why is it that so often we act so differently than that? Like, is it that we're like hardwired? And again, kind of my like very analytical, maybe type A personality. I was like, oh, I love the idea of a wheel. And I love it, this idea of a checklist because in some ways it helps me focus on the right things and not drift off to some of these things that are maybe habits that again are, you know, my leader sent me a note or there's this urgent thing because like, it's just so wild that a lot of the times we tend to gravitate towards things that are less fulfilling, less meaningful to us. And maybe we even realize at the end of the day, they're going to be less important, but they're just urgent at the time. So in my mind, what I really liked about what you were saying is that it gives some kind of a, a guideline or a way to create a ritual that in a more methodical way moves us from our current state to a state where we will feel more fulfilled because I, I agree with you. And a lot of times like people will say, Oh, you know, you wake up in the morning and some of the most important things that, you know, you should prioritize are those big things and the projects. And I'll tell you as much as I know that, like we were mentioning, I'm like, I do my yoga in the morning, but after that, it's like meeting, 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 like self-reflection planning, like forget it. Like I have some time because of, I think the way my teams are set up in the different time zones, a lot of my teams are available first thing in the morning before they sign off, but that doesn't matter. Like to me, that's like more of an excuse than like a legitimate, like, I feel like I'm giving you a legitimate reason. Like, of course I need to meet with my team. And then it's like coming out of my mouth and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying these things out loud because then if I have like 30 minutes of the end of the day, like ladies, nothing good is happening in this head. I'm like, I'm so tired. <laughs> I just want to take a break. Like maybe I can get up and like stretch a little bit because I've been sitting in this chair for so long. Um, so again, I, I love your idea and I can't wait, you know, for you to continue to bring it to life because I do think it's that nice balance of finding things that are so fulfilling and help us like spiritually, mentally, like all the different things. But again, are done methodically, not just like, oh, oh, you know, spend more time on this. Like how? Like it actually gives you a bit of a guideline for how to create that ritual. Yeah, I I really love it too. Um, and and I want to share my kind of gut reaction, which is slightly different than Sonia's, but I mean equally like amazed, of course. But what I love is that number one, it there's more about like the empowering self than there is like it's it's more heavily weighted towards the feel good you know like good for you like want than there is towards the like things you have to do right um but because it's more heavily weighted that way it also feels to me like it has it has momentum it has forward movement it's not just 
work-life balance where you're constantly stuck trying to juggle, but instead it's like, just feels like it moves like forward and it kind of builds on itself. And, you know, I thought maybe that's just me being kind of, you know, woo-woo as everybody knows that I am. <laughs> but I really love it. I really love it. I'm so glad. And if people don't, that's okay too. Tell me, because maybe there's like a second or third iteration. But mm. I was aiming for something that was, to your point, nonlinear, but that would still offer enough infrastructure, like enough support mm -hmm. so that people could be like, okay, but what do I do now? Because if I'm left to my own, like if I, if it's just do what feels right, or like take care of yourself throughout the day, like, nope, I have more. So that can, part of why it was born is that, you know, people are often told make to-do lists, right? Clear your head, it'll be less stressful. Okay. So now I've got a to-do list. I have a to-do list of what? 15 things, 50 things. Sonia has like 17 to-do right. lists. Right. So the, okay, I've got multiple do lists. Great. <laughs> and so, like, amazing, amazing, amazing. Like, let's see it. That's a lot of to do lists. So, here's the conundrum. How's that stuff coming out of our mind? It's coming out of our mind randomly when our, we're, we're sparked by something. Oh, yeah, I've got to do this, this, this. They're also basically given one line. So, one item mm -hmm. is on one line. But those items have different levels of complexity and time involvement and emotional labor. So they're not all equivalent. They might get the same lines, like physical space on a piece of paper. Yeah. But they're not equivalent. So then what, 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 what do we do? Well, who doesn't love crossing off something from the list? So now I'm going to cross off all of the easier stuff. Awesome. Look how productive I am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what's left? Make so to do lists. Check. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> Left on that list are all of the meaty, weighty, mm -hmm. complicated, intricate projects. You might remember a project, but that project has its own 13 steps to get done. Mm -hmm. So a to-do list on its own isn't enough. Usually makes us feel badly about all the things we're not doing. Makes us feel like we're not doing enough. So that's why I'm so compelled by the second question you asked, which was like, are we being taught? Have you learned? It's like, have you actually learned how to prioritize? And there was a real interesting mishmash of answers. Like some people, sure, unequivocally, yes. I want to ask them, were you taught one way? Were there many ways to do prioritization? Were you allowed to ask, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? Are you talking about, can I meet my deadlines at work? Like, what, what is it where... What is it that's landing for a person in that question and that languaging? And how are they taught? All the people who weren't taught or self-taught, like was it some sort of osmotic process they were role model to? But was their role model doing the urgent thing? Like they were just go, go, go on it. So I'm so interested, and this is where learning strategies as a field comes in, is it's revealing the how, right? Revealing the how of doing things. I love that there are people out there who are like all about the why, I am all about the how is you give people access and it's not that there's ever a singular way. It's not prescriptive. It's not that there is like one set way of, you know, chunking down a project and then tackling it. Oh no, no. It's meant to have full agency. It's meant to have the fullness of you and the fullness of your life. But, but there's but, some practicality to it. And the connective tissue of like, yeah. 
can we talk strategies? Because when I got that question, when you shared with me the results, my hand goes up and goes, wait a minute, as a boss, as a founder of a company, I ask all the time questions that essentially are asking, are trying to plumb at, do you know how to prioritize? If you're mm -hmm. thrown 13 things, that same like third to-do list, big full to-do list, can you discern what's important? Yeah, how do you manage your time? How do you work best mm -hmm. with other people? Like all of that is about competing demands. Can mm -hmm. you what do you do when you're juggling competing demands? Mm -hmm. So it's an expectation, but do we keep it in the tacit? Do we keep it hidden? Or do we get to reveal it? Do we get to actually talk about it? And Sonia, when I think about you and the time zone meetings, meeting, 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 isn't everybody else at those meetings also so exhausted? Yes. And what if we just all said, is anyone else having a hard time doing like the rest of their life? <laughs> no? So I did, Dina, I have to mention, I did hear, I learned something from a good friend of our, a good friend of our podcast that we, a person we had on, um, his name is Kent Frazier. Um, he shared with me um, this concept of, dividing your to-do list into your soul dance and your survival dance, which I love. So it's basically what makes you feel good and happy and then what you have to do for work to pay the bills, right? So it's that was a beautiful concept, but it still doesn't allow for the different weights of different things on this list, right? you know, just like write a book versus send this email, like not the same thing, but, you know, so this is what I really, really love about the wheel is the idea that you just, you can take it like a chunk at a, a small chunk at a time and, you know, just keep it rolling basically. And then when we look back, like in the sort of retrospective reflective moment, if we dare have one, if we haven't already collapsed on the couch somewhere, if we give ourselves 20 end of the day we look back we'll have done more than just the work thing that that's the gift i think is it's more than just what was important to other people yeah um and that it may not have been enough it may not have been that we got to do enough exercise that as we wanted to we might not have tended to our family enough i i wonder if actually any of us will ever feel satisfied enough but maybe this gets us a little closer to the touch point on all the things, all those what's importance in our day. Well, that is like an amazing way to wrap this up because of course, as always, we've run out of time. Sonia, do you want to say a quick uh, last word? Just a quick thank you. Thank you, Dina. And you gave us so many brilliant things to, to think about. And I, I wish this conversation would go on hours and hours, but I think already, like, just the, the points that you gave me, I think, one, you made my heart happy um, with different you ideas. This whole <laughs> conversation, yeah. I could see it. Ah, and just, I mean, these are the things that are just, I think, so important to people. And thank you for spending time with us and having this important conversation. And thank you for both the love for your work and also being grounded and being so practical in what you share. I think it's it's a beautiful balance that I think is both an art and a science. So thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for spending time with us today. That's that's all. That's my parting, <laughs> my parting <laughs> words. <laughs> yes. 
Thank you so much. So Dina, um, where can people buy your book? Like how can they keep in touch with you? Let us know. You're so wonderful. So starting and we end as we start, which is gratitude all the way right back at you, both what you're doing in the world and trying to bring more care, a little less stress, (laughs) a little more joy to how we do our work, um, our professional and our personal lives. That's such a big deal. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, and how can people find me? That is such, again, like every time someone asks, it's such a kindness. So people can find me in a really basic way. I'm on Instagram at Awakened Learning. They can buy my book on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble. You can just Google feel good learning and find the most ethical pathway um, that feels right for you to purchase. And, um, and coaching. So me and my team try to do this work of transformative learning strategies like procrastination and prioritization. And that's at awakenlearning.ca. Thank you. Love it. Well, thank you again so, so much. And everybody go buy the book. (laughs) Wonderful. Heartfelt. Thank you so much. In addition to being the Empowering Workplaces host, I'm also the president of Question Pro Workforce. And I wanted to tell you a bit more about it because it so brilliantly aligns with our concept of empowerment. At Question Pro Workforce, we help organizations across the world better connect with their employees. We do this through continuous listening survey technology, as well as sharing our deep knowledge and expertise to help our clients know what questions to ask to most deeply connect with their workforce and take impactful action on data and insights they collect. Learn how Question Pro Workforce can be a great partner on your path to creating a really outstanding employee listening strategy in a remarkable organizational culture at questionpro.com backslash workforce.